Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Oh, hello. On sale now. Phoenix, March 28th at 7 p.m. I am at CB Live. And I hope you all come down. If you go to jenkirkman.com, click tour. Tickets are on sale right now. I am getting so much feedback that y'all are coming. A lot of people are saying they might wait to buy tickets at the door. Oh, if you can, please get them in advance because if we need to add a second show, we will, but we can't add it the night of. So let's do that. And then the Hollywood Improv Lab. I am doing my show Real Talk where I have a real conversation, as you heard last week on the Ioni Sky episode, with a fabulous person. And this next one is Tuesday, February 25th at 8 p.m. I, again, am waiting to confirm our fabulous comedic legend of a guest. And once I do, I will tout it here on the podcast. But tickets are available, jenkirkman.com, click tour. And then coming up uh, on sale now, New York City. I'm at Caroline's Comedy Club, May 7th through 9th, Mother's Day weekend. Tickets at jenkirkman.com, click tour. And my debut in Spokane, Washington in June. I'll be back in Dallas in July, Winnipeg, Canada in August. Buffalo, New York, and Bloomington, Indiana in September. And then, right after the election, I'll see y'all in Seattle and Portland, Oregon. Now, those, for the most part, are the only places I'm hitting this year due to uh, uh, many reasons. Scheduling, needing to do other work. It's an election year. I don't like to tour during it. And needing to take a little bit of a break while I work on new material and all that kind of stuff. So, If you want to be surprised by where else I might show up, because you never know, join my newsletter, jenkirkman.com, and then you can click Kirk Mail, and you can join up. And if you are in any of those cities, please join my newsletter, because you'll be the first to know when tickets go on sale. I send out a fun little email. All right. Enjoy this week's episode. Funlessness, funlessness, funlessness. Having fun. Oh, having funlessness with Jen Kirkman episode, I think it's 321. What do you think? What do you think it is? So much to talk about this week. I know I'm a little late on this, but that's because I record these a little bit in advance. But um, my thoughts on Jen and Brad at the SAG Awards. I'm going to talk about sleep patterns and sleep divorces. And I'm also going to talk about a new trend or something that's just catching fire 
people raising children with their friends instead of a traditional partner. So there you go. Hey, maybe this week is all about untraditional things. I just realized that that's an accidental theme. Oh, isn't it magical? I know I have so many listener emails to get to, and I don't know if it's going to happen this episode, but do send me an email, iseemfun at gmail.com, and let me know your thoughts on anything I've talked about on previous episodes. I will read them. I'll probably put it together so that I can read a bunch next week. Sorry about that, everybody. I don't mean to ignore you. So I'm going to get my head together. I record these on a Sunday. I overslept this morning. I hate that. I try to get up at 6.30 every day. It can get hard because you cannot always go to bed at 10 or 10.30. And I had a little spot on a show last night, and then I didn't get into bed until 11.30. And I thought, well, that's okay. That's still seven hours. But I've been doing a lot of that. It's okay, six or seven hours this whole week. And my body, I think, was like, I've got to take you down for nine and a half. So I woke up late, late for me. I woke up at 8.30. I was supposed to have been in class at 8. Ugh, workout class. Did I say that already? Anyway, so there, I take this class, it's called Body by Simone, and it's it's like this other thing, Model Fit, that I used to do, but they closed. It's dance cardio, but you do an hour of all kinds of sculpting and really hard things and micro muscle things and blah, blah, blah. I just started taking this about a week ago, but it's the same as this other thing I'd been doing forever, but the other place closed, as I just said, but... Oh my God, the dance moves just go so fast that like as someone who used to dance, I'm like, this is double time. We don't need to be going this fast, but I guess that's how they do. And, uh, but I do see a lot of the younger women and they can't keep up and they can't do the weight stuff. And again, it's only three pounds, but you're holding your arms in the air for 10 minutes doing these moves with three pound weights. It gets tiring. And I always want to yell, I'm 45. Not that that's old, but it is actually like, it is the age of injuries. It's not crazy if you are 45 to be working out, but it's also, like, completely plausible that you would have troubles, and I don't. Um, and my back and neck arthritis has been, like, rocking it for, like, a year. I haven't really had problems. So, like, that went away once I start, once I got some steroid shots and started doing Alexander Technique and just kind of changed the way I hold my head. And uh, I'm just so proud of myself, but there is no opportunity for me to yell in class. I'm 45 now. I do have trouble breathing, so I am sucking on that inhaler before class, a pre-workout inhaler. And, you know, sometimes I have to slow down because I'm just not getting a deep enough breath. And a lot of times they'll be like, push it, keep going. I hate that. No, not push it, keep going. There's no, we, it's not the 80s. We now know that pushing it is not good. You see Madonna canceling shows all over the world. God, I'm all over her Instagram. She's taking ice baths after every show she gets in a bathtub filled with ice with some kind of almost like a wetsuit on, but I, or around her body, but her legs are naked. Naked? Is that bare? I guess is the word. <laughs> My legs are naked. Um, I don't know. how That just seems awful. Aging is terrible. I don't like watching Madonna get older, and it's nothing to do with looks. It's not like, I mean... Her face needs to, you, you got to have some wrinkles. You know, you, you can't be wrinkle free or just looks weird. But it's more just, I don't, I don't like watching people get older and like move differently. It bums me out. Bums me out. I guess it only bums me out when that person moves their body for a living. Then I'm like, oh, look, you're having trouble at your thing. The thing that you do. 
oh, it's all so awful. And it's also not awful. It's just life. Nobody's guaranteed to not rot and decay and become old and then die. I mean, that's, it happens. That's puts, you can hear me smiling. That puts a smile on my face. Everyone, this will happen to. Unless, you know, something unfortunate happens and you leave us sooner. But I just mean in general, you can always look at people and go, wow, you're going to get like emphysema and then just one day slump over in your applesauce. You might be riding high right now, but one day, the ultimate humbling. (laughs) That's, I don't know. Is this uplifting for anybody? Good morning. So, but sleep, it brings me to sleep. I just spilled coffee on my iPhone. How's that for you? How's your day going so far? Ah, hate everybody. Um, what was I saying? Uh, I don't remember. Oh, sleep. Yeah, so you can keep that part in. <laughs> I don't mind people. I checked a text while I was wiping off my iPhone. Okay, everybody. So I should probably have more information about the person I'm talking about, but it's not really overly relevant to the conversation. But there is a sleep expert who seems to be making the rounds on a ton of podcasts that I listen to. And I guess I can find it. So I listen to this podcast called 10% Happier, hosted by Dan Harris, a news person for ABC News. Uh, and I actually was on his podcast three years ago. So this is um, oh, Dr. Matthew Walker. He's a sleep scientist with a PhD in neurophysiology. He investigates the impact of sleep on human health and diseases like Alzheimer, Parkinson's, and cancer. And um, I guess he has a new book called Why We Sleep. And so I've heard him on all the podcasts talking about that. So I loved hearing him talk about it because it's, it actually is very scary. I actually think I mentioned this on the interview episode with Ioni that I had been hearing about this book. I mean, the the guy is basically saying that, look, it doesn't matter how you feel, but there are important things going on in your body when you sleep. So, you know, I always remember that was like the selling point on Bill Clinton in the 90s. He only gets four hours of sleep a night. That's how he's running around and doing all this. And he's intellectually curious and he's reading books. And and I'm sure that's true. And, And I mean, he seems to be about 70 right now and still with us. But, you know, this guy is saying basically like you can't live a long life on that kind of sleep. And. I love sleep. I have to get eight hours. I may not have a consistent time, and but but if I stay out late, then I have to block off. I'm not one of those people that's like, well, I stayed out to two, till 2 a.m., but I still have my morning workout at 6. It's not possible. I have to get my sleep, so I'll rearrange stuff the next day or whatever. But I usually try to, during the work week, um, you know, asleep by 10. I like to be up by 6. So but I need the eight hours. So, as you know, if I wake up with a little insomnia, then I push back the what time I wake up in the morning by an hour. But I luckily don't really have sleep issues. They do happen, but they're so um, they're never out of the blue. Like if I can't sleep or I wake up and can't go back to sleep, it's always to do with hormonal shifts that I'm like, oh, I'm PMS right now. Or it's oh, you know what? I ate really late or I had a drink. And sometimes when I drink, it interrupts my sleep. 
it's always such an easy fix. But anyway, this guy was talking about how a lot of couples need to do what's called a sleep divorce, where you sleep in different rooms or sleep in different beds. Now, I know this is not a luxury that every couple has because some people only have one bedroom or they live in a studio apartment or whatever or something. They have kids and it might be that. That was the other thing he was talking about is is how, you know, how sleeping in the same bed as someone has become this. And I actually don't know the history of it. I might look into it of, of how that even happened, because if you watch shows from the if you ever watch a sitcom from the 50s, like I Love Lucy, where they're and they had this on Mrs. Maisel, too, where the parents are in the same bed. I mean, they're in the same bedroom, but they're sleeping in two separate beds next to each other, almost like the way you would if you were somebody's siblings sharing a room. And I have to be honest, I don't know if that was just a thing that they did on sitcoms because they couldn't show people in a bed together or if that was what people did. I mean, I don't really know. I mean, I don't think my parents slept in separate beds. I'm going to ask them because they were they were a couple in the 50s. But I think it was more of a television modesty thing because, I mean, God, if you don't think things have changed, the fact that you had to be fully clothed in separate beds on a sitcom. I mean, how, hilarious. Anyway, but... But some somewhere along the line, it became it's not real love if you don't sleep in a bed together. And I've noticed even my friends getting particularly puritanical about that kind of thing. And when I talk about how as I'm getting older, it's not a, I do not desire to to share a bed with someone, even if I'm madly in love, I am not doing that now. In my last relationship, which was like very much in love and, and it ended three years ago, we did sleep in the same bed often, but he was the t- the tiniest person that you couldn't even notice he was in the bed. You know what I mean? But but uh, a lot of times I just couldn't because he would like make too many sounds in his sleep. And I, I must be a light sleeper when I think when I'm with someone else. Be it whether I'm sharing a hotel room with someone, which is not a thing, but if I had to like go on tour and they were like, comics have to share rooms, Julie's in the next bed over or something. When there's another presence in the room, I think my sleep never goes all the way down because I think it's like this evolutionary thing where I'm half, half, like a quarter awake because someone's there. So I think I'm in a lighter sleep. But when I'm by myself, it's like I can just go into that zone where you wake up and you're like, I can't even believe I woke up. It feels like I was just dead. I was so asleep. So for me, like I know me, how madly in love I've been with people, but I'm literally like, I just can't sleep. I cannot sleep. It's not intimacy issues. And I've had intimacy issues and I've worked on them in therapy. And guess what? None of them manifested in not being able to share a bed with someone. Right. I mean, if you really want to get into intimacy issues, a lot of times people who have intimacy issues, it's not literal. It's not like, ew, get away from me. They're actually they go headlong into things. They fall in love within one second. And it's like we're sharing a bed. We're sharing a bathtub. We're sharing a refrigerator. (laughs) Like we share everything. And it's like you don't actually know that person. And people with intimacy issues don't like the uncomfortable ramp up process of like going on dates, getting to know someone 
you know, they want to just like own you from the first date. That's also an intimacy issue, although it looks like they're willing to jump in. Um, so anyone who's like, oh, you don't like to sleep in the same bed with people? That's intimacy issues. I'm like, oh, you are so basic. Like, doesn't anyone know how to talk about psychology up in here? So anyway, so he was talking about people might, if you can, if you have the extra space or the extra room, that if you're asleep, like, let's say, I remember when I was married, my, my husband was an editor. A lot of times he would work, it's just the way it worked for his brain, until like two in the morning in the in the other room, which is like our, our second bedroom was actually just a shared office. So there was no bed or even couch in there. And he would come to bed at two in the morning. I would have been in bed since like 11. And he was at least 100 pounds heavier than me. And he would get into bed and I would feel it. It was just like this entire body gets into the bed. And even if he's quiet as a mouse, like you sense it, you feel it. And I would wake up low key, wake up. And then I wouldn't be able to get back to sleep, whether it's like we start talking or it's literally like I just can't sleep. He also snored. He was someone that would just like roll over and you'd be like on the edge of the bed falling off. Like he was just unable to be the kind of sleeper that it it, it, it was as it, it was. I, I swear to you, I went clinically insane for a year because I did not sleep and we couldn't we had we both had to work from home in some ways and he ha- his whole thing was that that room and I, I guess we never really discussed well why don't we put your office in the living room or, or change our dining room to be an office or something like you know it wasn't this giant apartment you know so it would have looked a little awful but at the end of the day if we could actually make a second bedroom then maybe we'd be you know better sleep partners but we just never got to that and and then I wasn't happy overall anyway so we we didn't work out but you know, when I tell people that, they're like, oh, had trouble sleeping in the bed with him. It didn't work out. Intimacy issues. And I'm like, oh, my God, it, it's literally just a sleep problem. So I don't know where we got so caught up in the society that you're a bad person or it's not romantic. So what this Dr. Walker says is people who are able to do it, who've done a sleep divorce where they sleep in separate rooms or they sleep in the same room but separate beds, they're life is better because they're a well rested b it's very romantic in a way because it sets up this automatic like little little trace of healthy longing where you know maybe you go say goodnight to your partner in the other room and you snuggle and tuck them in and then you go to bed and then you can't wait to see them in the morning so like you guys run to each other's rooms and say hi you know that kind of thing and you're in bed for sleeping How do you have sex? You can have sex with people without it being like, we're in bed anyway for sleep. I mean, that shouldn't be what sex is anyway. So he was saying it's actually people actually get real divorced because of sleep issues. And people who do sleep divorces, there's really not a lot of data on things not working out. But he said there's so much just kind of pent up psychology around it. And, you know, or like, how do we tell the kids? It's like, you tell the kids mommy and daddy love each other and they can see it from the way you're behaving and you say, we have sleeping problems. I mean, I don't know. The whole thing is so bizarre to me. Like these weird things that our society gets caught up in. Like we've moved so far in other areas, you know, and this, this is such a bizarre area to me. And especially like, 
you know, if I'm on the road and I have jet lag and I need like the black, I blackout curtains in my room and I might need to readjust my sleep cycle and sleep all day for something like it, it just doesn't make any sense. It, it just doesn't always work for me. And so uh, just the thought of, I, I don't know. And so I was telling someone about it and uh, it's like this friend of mine who's married with kids and he was like, well. I sleep in the same bed with my entire family and the kids and that's love. And I'm like, that's great. Like that is love. But if you had sleeping problems, he's like, well, I totally do. I never get, I don't get much sleep because of it. I go, okay, well, I'm not willing to do that. I mean, we act like sleep is this thing we don't need or like whatever, but with the insistence on I'm in a loving relationship and that requires two separate personalities, two separate biologies, sharing a bed for the most important eight hours of your day. That's love. I won't move. I won't take care of my health at the expense of what it looks like to be in love to the outside world where no one's even looking in your bedroom. You're just reporting. You can just lie and tell everyone you sleep in the same bed, but it's your own issue that you, like, I really think people have an insecurity about it where they think they're not loved if someone wants to sleep in a bed, not with them. And you have to let that initial thing wash over you where you go, I can't believe it, but I feel really hurt and like someone doesn't love me because they don't want to share a bit. Ugh. I guess it's just like a weird response that I'm having because society tells us that this is what love is. Like, I guess I'm just, yeah, I'm just having a weird response. I'll, I'll just work through it. But most people don't even go that extra step. They're just like, why don't you love me? Why aren't you sleeping in the bed? And the other person's like, I have a sleep disorder. You know, I don't know. The whole thing just, it's one of those things where I can't say what I'm saying to you guys. I can't say that to the friend I was talking to. I can't say, hey, I think you're, because we're not close enough. And it was like, it it was a conversation. It was like more of a professional conversation. So I, I just couldn't go there and be like, you've got some fucked up attitudes about, you know, but it always is that person will always knock it. They'll tell you what fucked up attitudes you have being someone who's a fan of sleep divorce. So I don't know. I don't know. I guess it's just like to me, it's fluid. Like you want to sleep in the same bed with someone? Great. If there's nights when you can't, great. Like no one should be like, what does that mean? You know, I'm again, sometimes when people are mad at each other, someone sleeps on the couch because they're like, I can't even be near you. That's different. And you know when that's the case as opposed to if I don't sleep tonight, I'm going to fuck up my presentation at work tomorrow, you know? And I think that's what it is, too. If you, if you if you have a partner and they have a big presentation at work and they, they go sleep on the couch or you sleep on the couch so they can have the bed, you accept it. You're like, oh, no, of course, tomorrow's a big day. But in general, every day is a big day because we're human beings with bodies and health and we need eight hours. And if the only reason you're not getting eight hours is because of a partner, <laughs> then you're ins- you're literally like insane. You're, you need help. Uh, unless you don't have the room to, to have two rooms. That's that's not what I mean. Um, but I'm really into like taking back the narrative of people who do untraditional things where we are always called. Uh, and by the way, I'm not even in a relationship. I'm just saying this is what I believe with all of my heart that. Um, yeah, I mean, and it goes through different phases. Like when I was in my 20s, it was like. Hey, I could have like 74 people in a bed. Like you just have so many roommates. You're like, you know what? Let's save money. Let's all share a bed. 
but I just was had a different habit than I was able to fall asleep anywhere. And now that I'm older and like there's hormones, middle of the night, I'm sweating for no reason. Like it's different. It just keeps changing. And that's where I like to be fluid about my attitudes and opinions about what I need because what I need always changes because I'm a body that's growing and decaying and eventually will be in the ground after I slump into my applesauce. So why would I not adjust everything else in my life as needed based on what's changing in my biology? And then maybe in 20 years, like I'll be like, oh, I need to sleep in a bed with other people. It, it's fluid. It's not this like, now that I'm a grown up. Ugh, you know what I mean. Anyway, thoughts on sleep divorces. Is anyone in my audience a separate sleeper than their spouse? Email me, iseemfun at gmail.com. I'm pretty obsessed with this stuff. Now, sleeping's important and so is eating. I eat as well. <laughs> and, you know, I'm not a I'm not a big fan of like a lot of food delivery things because I just think about, you know, how everything is being delivered nowadays and everything is, you know, you always go like, well, how does this help anyone? And that's why I love Imperfect Foods. It's it's the only food delivery I will do and that I do do that I do do. They're like, can you not say do do in the atom? Sorry. You knew what you were getting into with a comedian, but here's the deal. Over $218 billion of food goes to waste in this country every year, including 20 billion pounds of produce. And that's what Imperfect Foods is here to change. And this is why I love it, too, because I used to live in New York and you couldn't get a vegetable during the winter. It was like, and if you did, you'd be like, you know, it would be like half rotten and just like sitting at the bodega. You're like, you know what? I'll eat lettuce come springtime. But this is what I love. I love about our new world where you can get produce. So here's the deal. Imperfect Food is the only food delivery service that buys perfectly nutritious and delicious foods that grocery stores won't sell and deliver them to you at a discount and you can save money and help reduce food waste. So Imperfect Foods sources directly from farmers committed to quality and they deliver delicious, imperfect groceries to you for up to 30% less than grocery stores. And when they say imperfect, they don't mean like something's wrong with it. It can be like you know, almonds that have some scratches on them or things like that. It's like, it's about how it looks, but it's perfectly fine for you. Read about Imperfect Foods in the New York Times, Bloomberg, Forbes. They've got 200,000 satisfied customers on their review shade, on their review shade, on their review page. (laughs) They're quirky looking, but delicious produce. You can get surplus coffee, discolored quinoa, off-sized eggs, slightly scarred almonds, and more. I get, I get surplus coffee. I get discolored quinoa. And the thing is, it's perfect. It's perfectly imperfect. The plans are flexible, so they let you pick healthy seasonal produce alongside, you know, your regular grocery store staples. So none of us are perfect. So why do we expect our food to be, right? And again, you are helping. You ever go to a grocery store and go, what are they going to do with all this food? They throw it out. But perfect, imperfect foods is going to help you be a better environmentalist as well. Because again, billions of pounds of food get left in the field. They end up stranded in warehouses. They get thrown away every year. Imperfect Foods believe that all food is valuable and they've got a way for you to do your part to reduce food waste and still get the foods you love. So here's what we're going to do. Start saving money and start saving waste. You can go to imperfectfoods.com fun right now through February 16th, and you will get $10 off of your next four orders. That's a total of $40 off, y'all. 
imperfectfoods.com slash fun and enter fun at checkout. Imperfectfoods.com slash fun and enter fun at checkout. And I'm pretty excited because I've got some new clothes from Everlane. Oh my God, the cutest little corduroy jacket, corduroy skirts. Everlane, my new favorite clothing store online, everlane.com slash fun, E-V-E-R-L-A-N-E.com slash fun. I have their button down shirts in black and white. I have their t-shirts, their tank tops, their muscle tees. I've got their work pants, which weirdly I don't wear to work because a lot of times... um. I wear jeans to work because <laughs> I spill coffee a lot and I just sort of rub it into my jeans. So that's a whole, that's a side story. But they've got these great pants called like the stretchy work pant and I wear them when I'm traveling, I wear them when I'm running around. They're really, really cute. Everlane is great. And again, if you're an environmentalist, this is the place that you want to shop. Everlane only makes premium essentials using the finest materials. They don't do traditional markups. They want you to know what you're paying for and why, so they tell you their real costs and they're radically transparent about every step in their process, from the materials that they use to the ethical factories that they work with. They've even make clothes from recycled recyclable like plastic. Their their cotton crew t-shirts are what a t-shirt should be, versatile, simple, stylish, made from quality materials. They've got grade A cashmere sustainable silks, premium Japanese denim, made in one of the world's cleanest denim factories, Italian leather shoes, outerwear made from recycled water bottles, perfectly fit Oxford shirts. Here's the deal. No matter your style or preference, your gender, Everlane's clothes look better, cost less, and last longer. They sell directly to you, and their prices are 30 to 50% lower than traditional retailers. Go and check out their personalized collection at everlane.com slash fun and you're going to get free shipping on your first order e-v-e-r-l-a-n-e dot com slash fun if you're like i need basics go to everlane and you will look i'm telling you you look rich whenever i wear everlane clothes people are like oh you must be doing well i'm like it's everlane and i'm doing well for the environment that's not an expression i'm doing good things for the environment by shopping in 2018 they made a commitment to eliminate all virgin plastics from their supply chain by 2021 and again they're very transparent about their process so let's do it everlane.com fun all right gang so i was reading this article talk about non-traditional and um I thought it was so fascinating because you know how you can read something and you can think, yeah, that I get it. I want to be cool with this. I want to think that this is great. But I have questions. I mean, is this okay? Will people turn out okay? And it seems hard. And then you go, then you have a little argument in your head. And you're like, yeah, but everything's hard. I mean, even the traditional way of doing things is hard. Each thing presents its own challenges. And then you think, yeah, but is it fair to bring kids into a world where, like, you're not really their parents in that sense? Or, And then you go, well, they don't know when they're coming into the world what it should be. So as long as they're loved and they have a good time. Yeah, no, I guess you're right. You know, I, you know, I think that we, we're so black and white. We do this thing where because we're having a hard time grasping the way things are changing, we just double down on the way it used to be. Well, it used to be this, and that's what I'm used to. Or people 
throw themselves into how things are changing and don't acknowledge that it's an adjustment. So I feel like the the best way to look at things is, oh, that's different. How do I feel about that? I feel a little weird. I don't get it. Or I'm judging it even though I don't, like, who's that voice in my head? We all have different voices in our head that, and that's why, you know, I love meditation because people think it's about quieting the voices in your head. I can't quiet my mind. It's literally not about that. I don't know where that, it's about noticing the voices in your head and watching your not quiet mind so that you can, in real life, kind of start to be an observer of your own thoughts, which is takes down your reaction time so you don't flip out on people. You start to understand your feelings. You know, sometimes we can get hurt by a loved one or a partner, and it really isn't that they did anything wrong. It's that it landed on us differently because of our own shit. But if the minute someone hurts you, you react that they did something wrong and this is them and you've, you're perfect, you're going to start a lot of chaos and drama and fights. But if something lands on you and you you know how to be an observer of your own feelings, you can be like, huh, this is landing on me weird. I am so upset right now, but you don't even have to act upset. And you can go off on your own and handle your business if you want to punch a wall or scream or cry and then really figure out, you know, how much of that was your shit that you brought to the table. And you can go back and be like, yeah, actually, what you, what you said was hurtful and I feel pretty innocent in this situation. Or you can be like, I'm so sorry. I, I just realized I've got this hair trigger about blah, blah. I'm, I'm not feeling that successful right now. And even though that wasn't your intention, like what you said, like brought up my own stuff. You know, do you see that's what meditation is for? It's not for quieting your mind and being quiet and being peaceful. So that, I don't know where people got that from. As I read stuff about what I'm about to read you, I was really struggling with this. And I'd love to read you. I'd love to read you this article and just, you know, let's just like jam and rap about it. <laughs> oh, that's what adults in the 80s are trying to do to like talk to kids. Guys, let's just get in a circle and sit cross-legged and just just vibe, you know. So here's the deal. If it made you mad what I was talking about with the sleeping in separate beds, you're like, I want to, but I don't have any money. Well, what are you doing about your money this year? Are you able to save it all? Because here's the deal. I know that having a savings account can really seem like, who cares? We don't get any interest anymore, blah, blah, blah. Well, that's why I'm here to tell you about Wealthfront, okay? If you want to follow along, go to wealthfront.com slash fun, W-E-A-L-T-H front.com slash fun. Here's the deal. Your credit card company, yeah, probably gives you about 1% cash back, but does your bank account give you anything? Most banks give you a 0.1% APY interest on your savings, but you should be earning more. And with the Wealthfront cash account, you actually can earn more interest on your savings. Now, imagine you're trying to achieve something and it's going to take you like 50 years to do it. Now, imagine you could achieve the same thing in just four months. Isn't that better? I mean, I know you probably made your New Year's resolutions for January. Now it's February. Now what? What are you doing about that? With the Wealthfront cash account, you earn more interest on your money. They have one of the highest interest rates in the market at 1.78%. That is 1.78% annual percentage yield. That's what that APY meant. It's easy and fast to get started. You only need one dollar and a few minutes to start an account. So this isn't like investing where it's like fork over 20 grand, one dollar. You've got one dollar. 
They are FDIC insured up to $1 million through their partner banks. You can even sign up right from your phone, no paperwork required. Their clients trust them with over $22 billion up in those accounts. Wealthfront is the ideal way to manage your money. You can save, plan, invest, and get financial advice all in one place. And they are making your money work harder for you. Wealthfront is not a bank. Cash account is offered by Wealthfront Brokerage, LLC, member FINRA-SIPC. Wealthfront conveys funds to partner banks who accept and maintain deposits, provide the interest rate, and promote FDIC insurance. The APY is subject to change, but right now you can sign up for the Wealthfront cash account in less than five minutes by visiting wealthfront.com fun. Go to wealthfront.com fun and start earning more interest on all of your savings, wealthfront.com slash fun. Okay, so here's the article. I won't read the whole thing, but it's about people who want to have a baby and what are they going to do? This is really about women who want to have kids, but they haven't found a partner. And I think this is a really big problem for a lot of women because, you know, it goes way back to the times when people were sleeping in single beds in the same room and daddies worked and mommy stayed home and then now moms work. And it used to be like, okay, I'm going to have a kid at 20 and I'm going to work. And now it's like, wait, let me get the career first and then I'll have a kid later. But a lot of guys, it's like harder to match up. Like I think men and women, straight men and women are, are not quite matching up on life plans, life goals at the same time. And then you'll find yourself as a 40-something-year-old man who's like, I didn't have kids. And then he gets like a 30-year-old woman. But like, what about women in their 40s who are like, I want kids too. And the guy's like, you can't have them physically anymore. You know, it's a whole thing. So I thought this was interesting. This is from MarieClaire.com. They're single, they're straight, they're friends, and they're having a baby. You want a child, you don't want to do it alone. What do you do? For an increasing number of women, the answer is raising a kid with their BFF. This is written by a woman named Sarah Trelevian. So Sarah and Kate's first child arrived on their doorstep in southern Ontario at just four days old. Registered as foster parents, the pair received a call informing them that a baby needed a home. Did they want her or not? I like the, do you want it or not? We got a baby here. You want it or not? It's half off. Days later, a social worker arrived with the infant and a brown paper bag full of essentials like diapers and formula. And then, after giving a confidence-boosting smile, she walked out the door. Sarah and Kay, oh sorry, it's not Kate, turned their attention to the baby girl suddenly lying in the middle of their carpet. (laughs) This whole article is written so weird. Do you want the baby or not? You want it? Okay, we're going to send a social worker over. She'll be there. Social worker knocks on the door. I'm here with a baby. I've got a brown paper bag full of shit. I'm just going to leave the baby in the middle of the carpet. I don't know what you do with babies. I don't have one myself, but I'm just here to deliver it. I mean, you don't even leave a pizza that's delivered in the middle of the carpet. Why couldn't they put the baby? I, listen, I don't know. I don't have kids. Sarah and Kay aren't a couple. They're best friends who decided to co-parent their children in a shared home. Both in their early 30s, Sarah and Kay met as first-year college roommates 15 years ago, and they've lived together ever since. They've traveled Europe and adopted a dog together. Kay, whose parents live overseas, considers herself an unofficial sibling in Sarah's big, welcoming family. When the two women are together, giggles punctuate their speech, and it's easy to picture them gossiping through the night in a shared dorm room. Okay, so I'm reading this, and my first judgment is like, gals, I mean, we all know what's going on here. Giggling and... You live, I mean, you're in love. 
And then I go, Jen, this is the problem, is that women's intimacy has always been downplayed. If you read the book, All the Single Ladies by Sarah Tracer, it's about women's friendships and single women who drive the economy and unmarried women, but even if they're partnered with a man. And you know, women used to hold hands walking down the street in like the early 1900s. And then it became a thing where every woman who did that was called a lesbian. And that was bad to be. So you, everyone, you know, like it's empowering, empowering. It's empowering for women to be this intimate with each other. But it scares the patriarchy. Now, I know the men in my audience are like, I ain't scared of that. I love when I love when my broad goes out with the gals. I get some man time. Not you, sir. Not you who's listening to a ladies podcast. But the if you just look at the overall construct of the world, um, the economy used to run on. Not the economy, but like the, the world used to run on like women need men. Uh, they pay our way so we compete with other women instead of holding women's hands. And now that women are bonding or we've always been bonding, but now that it's like becoming more socially acceptable again, it seems to throw things off. But it really doesn't. Anyway, but I had to my own head was like, come on, you gay. So then I keep reading a few years ago, Sarah and Kay, who are both straight, felt called by their Christian faith to help others and wondered why not welcome children into their home. And then I'm like, okay, they're not gay. They're super religious. But then I'm like, and that's why they're not coming out. It's like, I couldn't get it through my head that these are not lesbians. So I'm just being honest about my judgments too, right? Sarah had been running a daycare. Kay works in the healthcare industry and things with the dog were going well. So they felt confident they could handle foster parenting while fostering their first child. Now a toddler, they found out that her infant half sibling was also in need of a home. So they took him as well. Soon the two friends couldn't imagine life without the children. Sarah and Kay filed for adoption and in late 2018 won a landmark ruling in California, I mean, in a Canadian court that gave them equal rights as platonic partners to adopt the two children. And that's how we became a family. While many women have long given up the fantasy of having it all, plenty of others still want a family and don't want to do it alone. And if you're ready to welcome a baby, but swiping on dating apps is getting you nowhere, There just aren't a lot of great choices. That's why an increasing number of women are expanding their options by forming families with friends and sisters to raise children as co-parents and create what looks like conventional family life, a nuclear-like unit headed by two women in a platonic relationship who share responsibilities, dole out advice, pick up the slack, keep each other sane, and don't need to be nagged into doing 50% of the child-rearing and household chores. This kind of arrangement has the potential to flourish as marriage rates have declined across the United States. 42% of adult Americans now live without a spouse or partner. For people under 35, that is 61%. There's a pervasive myth that women who delay childbirth are careerists more interested in climbing the corporate ladder. But according to a 2018 study, um, women are freezing their eggs to avoid panic parenting because they haven't found the right partner. Um, As we're flooded by an expanding glossary of modern dating indignities like ghosting, benching, and stashing. Benching is when you're someone's backup choice. Stashing is when you're in a relationship, but your partner refuses to introduce you to his friends. Perhaps it should come as no surprise that women are looking for alternatives when it comes to creating a family. Co-mom relationships might be platonic, but they are unmistakably love stories. For some, the arrangement is a matter of circumstance, while others come to co-parenting quite deliberately. Um, Women banding together to raise children is neither new nor rare. Like they they reference Kate and Allie, the 1980s show about two divorced women who move in together and they co-parent their kids together. That we were doing it right in the 80s. Um, 
Ashley Simpo, a 35-year-old writer, was looking for that kind of support when she moved in with a good friend in New York City. They were both single mothers going through breakups. It was about having a go-to backup and the same coordination you would have with a spouse. She liked sharing expenses from almond milk to Netflix, and her son built a sibling-like relationship with her friend's two boys. The union lasted only eight months, but Simpo said she would do it again. We need more options for women to rely on women. Being stuck in a box where you feel like you need to do it alone is killing us. This article goes on and on. I just want to read the the thing. Um, Esther Perel. Oh, I love her podcast. A psychotherapist practicing in New York City and the host of the popular couples therapy podcast, Where Should We Begin?, told Marie Claire she predicts in the next 25 years a rise of friendship parenting between adults who want to co-parent without being in a singular committed relationship. We often think of relationships between two people, but in the future, I'd like to see more consideration of relationships between communities, groups, and countries. Lauren Brim, a 36-year-old sex coach in Los Angeles, I live here, I can't even pronounce it, who wrote about her experience raising a now four-year-old child with a straight male friend in her 2016 book, The New American Family, Modern Stories of Family Formation in the 21st Century, said, sometimes I wonder what things would be like if I was doing this with a husband, but then I look at my friends who are married and I know it's not perfect over there either. You can wander the earth looking for Mr. Right for a long time and not find him. Uh, yeah, so this article is really great. And a lot of people are saying, and you don't have to worry about falling out of love. Like you can co-parent the kids and your own relationship issues between each other because there aren't any don't get in the way. They said dating can be tough because you don't know when to bring people into your life. But again, it just keeps going to so is the flip side tough as well. So I thought this was really, really fascinating. And yeah, it was interesting to see my own preconceived notions in my head. Like, was that good for the kids? And it's like, yeah, everything is good for the kids. Now, they might not see a romantic relationship modeled, and I do think that that's important, but it doesn't mean it's going to fuck them up. So there you go. I love it. I mean, the idea that there are so many people doing things alone when we could all just turn to each other and become a community is really the heart of this story for me, and I, it, it just makes me so happy. So... I'll end on the hot gossip. And again, please follow this podcast on Instagram. I love when you guys leave comments at Jen Kirkman Podcast on Instagram. Please follow on Twitter, Funless, Funlessness Pod on Twitter. Um, I don't think that's the name of it on Twitter. I do this every time. I won't write it down. I like have my little thing I read off, and for some reason I won't write that down. Um, on Twitter, it is at Funlessness Pod. Yeah. Okay, great. Um, but yep, do please do please leave comments on Instagram because it makes me happy. A lot of you will still DM me and write like, I don't agree with what you said about Ricky Gervais. I'm not going to respond to DMs. Just put it like I'm trying to get conversations started. So put it in the Instagram comments. Like don't try to DM me and get into a private conversation. <laughs> it's not happening. Okay, great. And please do buy merch. We've got new merchandise. Oh my God. We've got shirts that say, I seem fun. No, that, that say, I'm fun, I'm not fun, everyone's fun is different. We're, t- we're kicking it old school, and they're just normal, like, shirts with words on them. They come in all sizes. You can get T-shirts and onesies and long-sleeve shirts and uh, hoodies and sweatshirts, and it's fucking great. Mugs, pins, 
everything. So I'm not fun. I'm fun. And everyone's fun is different. It's the new merchandise. Go to jenkirkman.com, click shop, and it'll take you right there. Okay. So the Jen and Brad, oh my God. Oh my God, what's going to happen? Are they back together? Here are my thoughts. I think they've slept together since they've gotten divorced. I think they've hooked up, I don't know, at some point in the last three years after her divorce from Thoreau. I just have a feeling. I could be totally wrong. So as you know, Brad Pitt, who very publicly left his wife Jennifer Aniston for Angelina Jolie, where they immediately started having like six kids and it kicked off the whole Jennifer Aniston doesn't want kids. She's lonely. What's wrong with her? Her life's over. I mean, it must... I, that would, oh my God, can you imagine the public, that that must have destroyed her. And she handled it all with grace and dignity and, and helped us uh, learn how to redefine happiness, right? And I remember her talking about she's doing great and her friends are her family and dogs and whew, she had to, she had to really, 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 really handle her business in a public way. And um, and it wasn't fair. And what he did was so uncool. But at the same time, I really hate the narrative of he's bad, she's good. It's like maybe he's just, I mean, again, they've both been famous since they were very young. That's got to fuck with you. Don't think it can make you completely, maybe you don't always have time to be self-aware. He was drinking, now he's not. I mean, maybe he was just kind of like a self-centered jerk but but not in a like I'm judging him way like maybe he literally just could not talk about his feelings could not figure out what he wanted went for the shiny new object and like all the kids and thought I mean it seemed like he was pretty unhappy in that relationship too except at the beginning when it was clearly just like a crazy sex thing I mean dude probably has some issues and made some choices because he had issues and it seems like he's getting help. I mean, am I like, oh my God, I I don't know. I mean, I know there's a lot of people go, once someone's untrustworthy, they're always untrustworthy, which is true if they don't make change. But I think he's making change. And also, I I don't know, it's, it's, but people were really excited that they ran into each other at the SAG Awards and he was watching her speech and they seem really close and they kind of look at each other with these warm eyes and a lot of love. And I think that because they broke up, and went through so much. And because he probably did come back from his divorce, realizing what what his behavior had been. And I'm sure they've had a ton of conversations and forgiving. And when you go through that with someone, it actually bonds you closer. And when you're able to forgive on that level and love on that level, and I don't mean romantic love, I just mean like love, it's powerful. And I think the bond they have now looks so different than the bond they had if you look. I'm just going off of awards show pictures, so (laughs) forgive me. But the bond they have now is from doing the work. And it makes you really just love someone. And so I don't know if they're still in romantic love or they're going to get back together, but I don't see any longing from either of them. You know, it's not like, oh my God, I wish they were together. You know, so I'm I'm of one mind where it's like, look, a happy ending doesn't always mean you end up together. A happy ending can mean that you guys learned everything you needed to learn from your journey together. And now there's a deep love between you. Um, because I hate the, I you know, I'm so against the mentality, like the only happiness is romantic love. No, 
But I'm also against the mentality of she, he hurt her and fuck him and she should walk away like, I will survive. It's like, it's not that black and white, though. He did hurt her and she handled it really well and she did walk away. She she wasn't like, I'll be your best friend. Call me anytime you want to talk about Angelina. I mean, she did. She walked away. And now she's making a choice to accept him into her life as a friend. What? That's her business. It's not because she's secretly in love with him. No one would do that to themselves. You know how painful it is if you're like secretly in love with someone and they're in your life. It's like she's not going to do that. I also think that like maybe there is a little star crossed like they want to be together, but they can't because he's got six kids and they're all still pretty young. And I don't think Jen wants to deal with that. And why should she? So I don't know. My prediction is that they're like best friends. They'll probably not find romantic relationships that will fulfill them as much as their connection. They'll probably like sleep with other people, have their flings, have their things. And then when the kids are 20, they'll get back together. I'm not kidding. I I predict um, a second marriage for Jen and Brad to each other in about 12 years. So watch for my prediction. I think I'm on to something, but I do think their situation is not black and white. And I know you're like, wow, thanks for weighing in on that, Jen. I don't know what I would have done if two weeks after an event everyone was tweeting about, you didn't weigh in. Okay, well, come find me on all the social medias, as I've said before. Leave a review on iTunes. Give this bitch five stars. And by this bitch, I mean this podcast. Don't call me a bitch. And uh, also, I was on a great show with my dear friend, Maria Bamford. It's on a web network called Topic. And uh, we talked about we talked about mental health. And you can watch it for free right now. So let me give you the information. Uh, of course, I can't find it. But so it's Maria Bamford. It's called What's Your Ailment? And it's on a website called Topic. And I'm just pulling up one of my old tweets about it. Here it goes. Uh, yeah. So go.topic.com. And if you can look for my episode and you can use code ailment2020, that's A-I-L-M-E-N-T 2020. And uh, I might post this on the uh, face, the Instagram page for having funlessness. So that's at Jen Kirkman podcast and I'll post and you guys can all watch. So that sounds good. And until next week, have fun.